Hey everyone, welcome to Ben Better, How About You? I'm your host, Katie Nara, and I've suffered from depression nearly my entire life. It sucks. This is a podcast that focuses on mental health, broken down in a relatable way and told through personal experiences. P.S. I'm not a doctor, but each week my guests and I will cover everything from recognizing symptoms of anxiety and depression to providing accessible tips, tools, and resources that support mental wellness. So get your weekly prescription with me. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Ben Better, How About You? I'm your host, Katie Nara, and today we have Bill Burnett joining us. Bill Burnett is a comedian and storyteller. He leads storytelling workshops and fundraisers for nonprofit organizations, including the National Alliance on Mental Illness. He founded Stay Awesome Media, which is a company in Seattle specializing in mental health communications and connections. His TED Talk on how to connect with depressed friends has been viewed over a million times. Hi, Bill. Hey, Katie. (laughs) (laughs) I've become kind of obsessed with your TED Talk, which I think is completely brilliant. Awesome. Thank you. Uh, My dad actually sent it to me, so which is when really, really? yeah, I think because he knows I started this podcast. And so anything on like depression or, you know, mental stuff he sends to me. And I think it's really helpful because even though it's, we're in 2021, a lot of people don't know how to talk to someone who's depressed. Yeah. I'm a little surprised that it still seems to be, you know, of interest to people. Um, Really? The talk even? The talk even. Yeah. Um, because, you know, it's been a few years and in my circles, everybody's really used to talking about mental health and mental health awareness. So I forget that in the real world, people are not. And so basic, basic suggestions are really helpful to them. Yeah. You were saying that, um, you're very surprised in this day and age and you were in the midst of doing a storytelling workshop on mental health. Yeah. And I started running ideas by people like, what should I build a TED talk on? And I said, how about just, you know, how to communicate with people with mental health conditions. They were like, yeah, you got to do that one. So, so the idea of the basic premise of it comes from people living with mental health conditions. Right. Um, And now, you know, it's interesting. I do hear, and, and I've since started doing surveys. So did a survey last year on how to talk to coworkers, and I have a team of kind of four people around the world, a psychologist in Germany and somebody in Switzerland, and now we're going to companies on measuring gaps in perception between managers and employees, but about how to talk about it. Like nobody is studying the little things like, is it weird to suggest somebody goes to therapy? You know, which word would you rather use for this? So That's it's, really it's interesting. interesting. You mean like if a um, coworker or boss was going to suggest to someone to go to therapy? Yeah, that would be one of the questions that would be on our survey is if somebody tells you they have a mental health, like they have dealing with depression or anxiety or whatever, would it be weird to, would it be uncomfortable for them if you suggest that they go to therapy? Surprisingly. It would be for me. that's how I was and I was a little surprised I was because somebody I did have a friend say that to me a while back and I was like you know fuck. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't say that but I was thinking it but then we're doing these surveys and people are like yeah I don't care bring it on suggest it so really yeah legally can you I feel like I know I think I know in California you can't ask someone you know, if you're interviewing someone, do you suffer from any mental health issues? So is, I'm assuming it's state by state. 
Um, I'm not sure how that goes, but I, I think that it's okay to suggest that somebody go to therapy. It, it's legal if they tell you they're dealing with something, but I don't think it's okay to ask if they are. I think you're right about that. Okay. So if they've already said, Hey, I, I tend to have, um, problems with depression or I'm bipolar or, or X, Y, Z, that then you, that they've opened the door. They've opened the door. And then you're like, yeah, why don't you go to therapy? <laughs> like, Which, leave this job immediately. Yeah. Still seems a little rude to me. Yeah. No, I think so too. But um, but that actually brings me, speaking of depression and all of this, when did you first realize you were depressed? I believe you said it was around eight years old or what? Um, well, I didn't realize I was depressed around eight, but I did. <laughs> I did threaten to kill myself when I was eight. Oh. But I just thought that's how everybody was. I mean, I didn't know there was, you know, I didn't know about depression or anything like that. But I thought that was normal. I thought this is, you know, I just assumed that that's how all people are. And to some extent, I kind of kept that basic mentality, you know, into being an adult. Um, I was, I can remember listening to NPR, this is maybe like, I don't know, 10 years ago or something. And they were like, telling us the states that had the highest rates of um, suicidal ideation. And like the biggest one was 5%. And I'm like, 95% of people don't ideate. They must have that backwards. <laughs> wow. And, and then I was like, oh, oh, interesting. <laughs> this was you as a, at, at eight? This was, no, this was me 10 years ago. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> so no, but no, that's no. I, for an eight-year-old, you're like, I just am gonna look up these statistics. No, yeah, no, I wasn't, I wasn't that. So I spent a lot of time um, assuming that that was kind of normal, you know? And then in my twenties, I was uh, doing kind of stand-up comedy at an open mic level. And I spent a lot of time with comics who, you know, they're not the most well-adjusted people. So yeah. again, it fed into this idea that being depressed and, and kind of screwed up emotionally is pretty normal. Right, right. That's definitely in the like comedic world. Yeah, yeah, not a lot of well-adjusted people. Uh, would bother to spend time doing that. <laughs> you so when did you actually start then going to therapy or kind of realizing or was that? <clears throat> yeah, there there was a point. Um, I got divorced or separated, and um, at that point, I was you know I was encouraged to go to therapy because I was definitely ideating every day. And so I started going to therapy. When you say ideating, you mean like ideating suicide? Yeah, okay, right, right. I don't know how graphic we want to get on your show. Oh, so oh, I'm, no. I'm being vague. I'm tiptoeing around it. You can be as graphic <laughs> as you want. Basically, I would make wake up every morning and have, you know, images of, of suicide. So that that's not um, ideal, obviously. Right. Yeah. Um, so I did go to therapy and um, I didn't love it. Uh, so instead, I um, got addicted to drugs, which, you know, didn't uh, <laughs> created its own set of problems. And was, but uh, but I got kicked out by the psychiatrist I was seeing once he found out I was doing drugs, which isn't really fair because, you know, that's as we, kind of a strange choice for a therapist. Agreed. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I think he was like really kind of like a you know, sort of a snooty, Yale-educated, crisp white shirts, extremely well-groomed right. kind of guy. And he didn't want like 
clients who were kind of gritty or were like on you know who were what not kind of in drugs his world. Did you, what was your drug of choice if you don't my drugs of choice were um heroin and crack so These i was like really going all out this was not just <laughs> I, I, I appreciate you giving me an a for effort there yeah <laughs> correct i did Not go all out. Yeah. <laughs> right no it was zero to a hundred i was kind of a pothead up to that point but it was definitely right. zero to a hundred and then um you from that point when did you end up getting sober because again from what i've gathered and like in my research i was like wait i don't know the timeline of when he actually got sober yeah so i don't know if that's like an offensive question i don't know no it's not offensive um the uh it it was you know i would say i had about uh eight eight ish years of pretty on i mean i had a year or sometimes six months clean in that time but eight years of pretty heavy use and then um and then over the next six years i would kind of use occasionally and i finally um finally went into a 12, you know, 12 step program, which, and, and an outpatient program. I mean, I was just kind of like, kind of done. And, you know, it takes a lot to get an addict to go in for treatment because there's so many, you know, I personally just had a lot of arrogance, like, you know, I can figure this out. <laughs> but never I, before you hadn't gone to a I had been to 12 step meetings and okay. I had been to, yeah, I had been to some treatments, but I never really took them seriously. Okay. okay. And I got to say, you know, the, uh, the inpatient treatment I had gone to at one point, um, I am, well, a, a couple of things about that. When I got there, my roommate said, oh, this place is great. You're going to love it. This is my fourth time. <laughs> and, uh, you're like great advertising. Was this yeah. <laughs> and then there was a woman there who was like, "Yeah, I'm not going to stay clean. I'm just coming for my work. When we get out, let's go get high together." And I'm, and I was like, "No, I'm going to try to get clean." And then I didn't get clean, and I was like, "Damn, I wish I had her number." But <laughs> <laughs> missed the boat on that one. I tried to do the right thing. Oh, um, was this in in Tucson? Or where no, was this was in. Uh, I was living in San. Fr I lived in San Francisco. Okay years okay. which is uh you know a dangerous place to start doing drugs because like walking from your house to any number of places you're going to pass people selling drugs or at least yeah. did in my time yeah I, I can't imagine it's changed much right right there's it's like more opportunity yeah so but i had a lot of arrogance like uh, a lot of people do you know it's not that uncommon to go into 12-step programs thinking that you're better than everybody else you're smarter you're going to conquer it yourself and um and then uh you know beat your head against that wall for a long time occasionally people will conquer it for themselves but i never did and finally i was like okay i'm gonna get uh yeah i'm just gonna do this thing because uh life was pretty i could see myself sliding back and i'm like i don't i don't i mean then i was stay facing real dangerous consequences i mean at one point i had literally gone to live with a brother and crash on his floor and i went from being this big shot tech guy to just working odd jobs but this second time like i was like if i slide now i don't think i don't think there's any chance i'm coming back so i got pretty scared that's amazing that you were able to recognize that because i don't think many people are and then they it's too late 
you know? Yeah, it's really sad. And sometimes it is too late. You know, a lot of people overdose and die or, um, or they just, you know, basically fall out of the world as, you know, the world where you have a job and an apartment, right? They right, like a functioning or a person or have no support system. Or right. sober, I had a friend who was sober for almost 20 years. And then he, one night he ended up shooting up and he OD'd. Because, oh, you know, wow. it's like, had you been so long not doing, isn't that what they say? That if your mm-hmm. body, like it's even more of a shock, right? If you- Yeah, I believe so, right? He would have built up a, so I'm sorry for your loss there. Um, oh, but, but yeah, to, to your point, um, yes, your body builds up a tolerance if you're using all the time. Right. That's how I had OD'd at one point. And um, it's because I was hanging with somebody who used a lot more than me and she was just fixing me her amount. And then after a couple of days of that, you know, I, uh, I OD'd and, um, it's really amazing how, uh, how little, (laughs) how, how, how little of a big deal it is when you OD, you know, like, do you remember it? Like I, like, I do, I remember it. Yeah. I think, (laughs) I think. Don't don't say you remember being really great. (laughs) I remember being really high. And the last thing I would have said before I died was, this dope is really strong. So that's not something you want on your tombstone. Um, And she fortunately knew how to give me mouth to mouth uh, and to keep me operating till paramedics got there. Yeah, so I was fortunate. And then they came with with Narcan, which is really, I think it's pronounced Narcan, but whatever. It's it's like a nasal spray. Oh, I didn't know it was a spray. Okay. Yeah, they do that for um, opiates to bring people back. So you, once you, I mean, I guess, I don't want to say like once you got past that, because I know from what I've heard, if you suffer from addiction, it, it never goes away. Like you've, it's a struggle every day. For some people, I guess everyone is different. Um, I still have cravings. And okay. I got to say, uh, they're not nearly as bad as before. And that's one of the things that keeps me from using is I don't want to live with the kind of cravings I had in early recovery. I mean, it was just severe, like your whole body is just craving and it's just really hard. Yeah. Well, that's great that it's not as severe because a lot of people, my limited experience with hearing about crystal meth is that it's very hard to get past that. Like you always crave it as much as, that many people can't quit it from what What I've seen. I've seen people, have differing reactions. Some people still crave it the whole time. Other people crave it less, but I, everybody but, still thinks about doing it. Like my sponsor has like 27 years clean and he's like, yeah, I found myself walking into the weed shops. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't buy anything. He didn't relapse, but he's like, you know, like those thoughts are still really present. Right. And you, yeah. you're someone that, cause a lot of people, at least in LA, they'll be like, I'm sober, but they smoke weed. That is oh, not I don't point. smoke weed. No, uh, I'm just completely sober. And I get that some people do that. And I, I thought about it at one point, you know, that pe- because before it was legal, you could get a doctor and get a prescription. And I'm like, well, I'm allowed to take prescription medicine so I could keep my clean date. And then I'm like, yeah, no, why? <laughs> if you want to smoke pot, you don't need that. You can go smoke pot right now. Why aren't you doing that? And, and I started thinking it through. And for me, there were a lot of reasons not to. Yeah, I think it's hard. It, it's just, you're just asking, it's a slippery slope. 
I would imagine. Yeah, it's a slippery slope. And also, if you're a really heavy daily pot smoker, which I was, you know, then it has then the pot smoking alone can have a, a negative impact on your productivity and certain aspects of your life uh, and your mood can cause depression. So and it is a natural depressant. From, but that's what my psychiatrist always says. It can be like if you smoke a lot of it, it can. And I would notice that with one of my ex-boyfriends where he'd be like, you're taking Zoloft. This is like my Zoloft. And I wanted to be like, mm, no, I, I think this is like bringing you down. But I didn't mm -hmm. want to say that. But like, isn't it? Can it be a natural like it's not an upper yeah, no, I mean, I don't know the medical science behind it, but I know from experience myself and other really heavy pot smokers, because, you know, that's who I hung out with when I was smoking a ton of pot, um, that they're all pretty depressed and I was depressed. And then um, I know one of them quit for a while and he said, you know, it's not that great, but I do notice that I don't get depressed every day. So <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. Can, and I, I mean, it's like with anything, you don't really know until you don't do it but you just, it just kind of makes you kind of more like apathetic towards everything. You're just like, eh. Yeah. So, you know, so people who can use pot or whatever at some basis, other than a ton of pot every day are fine. But, you know, for right. me, and then it is a slippery slope because I am more likely to slide back into, to the other things. And, and if I do that, like the chances of me uh, just falling off the edge are pretty great. And so are you, able to, if you want to talk about this, are you on medication for your issues? It's funny you should ask. I was not for about, uh, so <clears throat> I got clean in 2008 and uh, a few years clean, I was uh, really depressed. And I started talking to people in my, my home group, 12 step home group. And uh, they were like, yeah, me too. At about two or three years clean, people get super depressed. It's really common. And they really? said, but you'll get through it. Yeah, apparently like the high of being clean and it's it's not at all uncommon. So at that point I took uh, antidepressants for a little while. I told my doctor, I was like, I'm just wanna do three months. And he said, well, we have kind of a rule of thumb which is don't go off antidepressants in Seattle in the winter. And I was like, that's, I think that's smart. That's like the one thing you could have said that would have convinced me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and then I didn't for a lot of years. And recently, I, t uh, you know, I found myself having a hard time because now I'm home kind of working for myself. And I found myself having a hard time focusing and being productive. And I said, okay, I'm going to try this. I'm going to try this. But if I'm not getting to where I want to be, then I'll go ahead and see a psychiatrist and look at taking meds. So I did start again after about 10 years, something else and something fairly mild to help with productivity, but I got to say it's actually helped. So, right. so it, but it took me a while because I was kind of like a little bit proud that I was like, I don't need meds. And for a lot of years, I really didn't. But then there came a point where it's like, you know, do I want to have, do I want to be more productive right. <laughs> or so do I want that? Yeah. We didn't talk about this, but you, you are bipolar too. Uh, yeah. I'm bipolar too. Okay. Cause people, a lot of people don't even know the difference between bipolar. And should we explain it for I listeners you, just in case? You should explain it. I'm sure you're going to explain it better. So bipolar people um, basically have longer cycles and oftentimes more, a greater likelihood of the bipolar ones, greater likelihood of psychosis. So they might be manic for like, you know, a week in a row or a month or months in a row. And they might be, you know, psychotic to the point where their gauging of reality is um, 
completely askew and and that people will often wind up in the psych ward on um on a manic tear right. bipolar two uh you can still wind up <laughs> in the psych ward pretty easily more likely <laughs> wind up in the psych ward with many things just like <laughs> <laughs> yeah for sure um it's uh it's much more rapid cycling and you're more, most of the time you're gonna have hypomania more than full-blown mania and hypomania can be a pretty productive state, um, but you do get into mania. I mean, I've learned over time to see, oh, like to start, hey, this is a good idea or that, that makes total sense. Oh, that would be really great idea. And then I'm like, whoa, Bill, you're totally manic right now. Yeah don't do those things because you're not able to judge. Like that was really helpful when I started realizing, okay, there are times I can't trust my brain. Yeah. No. And I think it's, well, for what my doctors told me, it's can be very hard to diagnose because at one point he thought maybe I had bipolar too, because I would have kind of these, you know, long, um, like eight hours of focus, you know, kind of Uh or, but then what we realized um, I went on some medicine that they would use for that and it, it did nothing. And he realized, okay. like, he said that normally if you have it, at least it does something. Okay. And then the more that we worked together, he realized you're just like shopping. You don't, you don't have bipolar disease. <laughs> you know, that I could control it, that it, but I, you know, you see those commercials, like with the lady, like doing the laundry and then, and then she's like, you know, has a camera and then she's like, you know, taking care of her kids. And I'm like, that's me. And he's like, no, it isn't, you know, like it's hard. <laughs> you don't, I think yeah. it can be hard for people and, and doctors, it's hard to know what's what. So. Right. Right. For sure. Yeah. It is. It's hard to know. I mean, they were, they were skeptical at first. They said, well, you don't technically fit the definition of bipolar two because my cycles can be a little bit more rapid than what they normally have. Which, you know, the point is like people exist and they have things that go on with them and mental health diagnoses are really looking at, you know, a small part of an actual person, right? Yeah, like a small window. Yeah, it's a small window. Half the time doesn't even want to label me. And I'm like, that's what I'm paying you for. (laughs) I want to be labeled. (laughs) And I feel like nowadays they're like so cautious. Oh, you know? interesting. That's interesting. I don't know. Maybe in Cal, I don't know. Like, I literally have my DSM book. I'm like, this is me. He's like, no, it isn't. You know, so. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Do you Google mental health disorders? I just, to... want, I just, <laughs> I just, I, I feel like I'm like Jerry Seinfeld, like, like knowing makes me feel better. Yeah, you know? no, it, it does. And I see that a lot in advocacy. A lot of people's yeah. stories are about, and then I got a diagnosis and I was yeah. so for relieved. Me, for me, it it's makes huge me... for people feel better for my OCD no it can kind of then like yeah you're just googling you're looking up but for me there's some sort of relief and okay this is it I I don't know or this is what I suffer from or this is or oh this person suffers from this too which is why I wanted to start this podcast where I felt like there wasn't a real conversation about things like this or it was done in a very far way no, I appreciate I appreciate the podcast and I appreciate that we're able to come on here and just joke around about it. And yeah, laugh. but no one wants to do that. Everybody, yeah. I mean, it sounds awful. Like obviously like suicide isn't funny, but it's, it's, it is, it's become this sort of like taboo subject. I mean, I think because, I mean, obviously we're still in the pandemic, but it's, you know, we're coming out of it with the vaccine and whatnot, but people 
I feel like now are a little more open to talking about mental health and mental issues. Mm -hmm, For sure. I wanted you to go through your don'ts of your advice of what not to ask people. Yeah, I don't. Sure, sure. Um, I don't know if I can remember them all. I have have all my favorites here. Okay. So one, one of them is like, and this happens a lot, is when you would tell someone just get over it. Oh, that's the worst. <laughs> I know, the worst. So I, I want you to tell our listeners why is that why is that bad? I mean, that seems so like duh, but I don't know. Yeah, absolutely. It's funny. I do present to companies on on normalizing the conversation. I have a slide with like a control panel called the cliche advice control panel. Like things you shouldn't say. Get over it, snap out of it, cheer up, let it go, think positive. Um so the thing about that is, first off, it's really, really insulting. Like, you don't know what goes on with a person if you think it's that simple. And it implies a failure on their part, not an actual condition that they don't control. Like, if your ankle is sprained, you're not, you know, you're not expected to just snap out of it or get over it. Um, so... And it will also, like, if you say that to somebody with a mental health condition, they will more than nine times out of 10, I guarantee it, they will, they will want to end the conversation. And whether they do or not, they're going to keep you at arm's length. They're going to be like, this person doesn't get it. Well, they don't, don't get my private it, life. Yeah, What's like, that? it's not, not going to make you feel good. Like, I think when no. I feel really bad about myself, you know, it's not going like, to make you feel good. Definitely not going to help, right? If it did, we could just get billboards that say snap out of it. <laughs> yeah. We wouldn't have an issue with no, depression. It's like telling someone who's just been diagnosed with cancer or something like, just get over that. Like, let's move on. Like, you can't. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah. So that's a big one. And uh, I think this is an interesting one that's probably not in the talk. Oh, this one is in the talk, which is don't use a sad voice. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, like for sure. Like a baby. Have people done that with you? <clears throat> yeah, you do. You do sometimes see people slow down and sort of talk to you like, like you're less intelligent just because you're depressed. Like <laughs> I'm sad. I'm not suddenly not dumb. dumb. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Um, and don't try to fix people is another big one. That's so because. Here's what can happen. First off, a lot of people don't want to be fixed. There might be times where you say, hey, do you want advice or just or for me to just listen? And they're like, give me advice. I mean, there's times when it's okay. But for the most part, if you just, you shouldn't feel a burden to try to fix people and you can get the reverse pressure, right? So now so-and-so tried to fix me and they suggested this was going to solve it. And if I don't do that, or if it doesn't solve it, now I have to worry about their feelings. Yeah. And they're just kind of adding adding to what you're going through really like adding just more anxiety yeah yeah I, mean, I think also another thing you said was that when you make a suggestion or to get boundaries like this is what I can do for you this is what I can't which I think is important like you had someone that said they were going to call you together like, can I call you every day mm-hmm. or maybe you suggest it to a friend and I I think that's important because sometimes people can either say something and you think, oh, they're there all the time, then when they're not, someone can get upset, that it's just good to have clear boundaries and clear windows of what you can do and what you can't and what's expected. Super someone's really going through it. Yeah, like I don't need somebody to necessarily go out of their way to do something, but if they offer it, 
it takes a lot. You know this, you've dealt with depression. And if somebody's yeah. like, hey, I'm here for you, your first thought, I would guess, is, are you really? And <laughs> well, yeah, I know. Or I'm, I'm just like, you know what? I don't really want to tell them what like I'm really thinking because it's like either I'm embarrassed or I have shame. You know, right. like there's right. a few people I can be really honest about how low it can get, but not yeah. everyone. Right. Like what yeah. you're saying, like if someone's like, how are you doing? And, and I think you avoid the friends that you know can't handle it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I've, yeah, I've got, I've curated a pretty small, you know, a small number of, of good friends who I can confide in completely. And then, you know, uh, and that's okay because it really is, uh, it's terrible to get that promise because it takes so much courage to accept it. Right. And then you're like, oh man. And now I just got beat down because they, they weren't there. Like they said they were going to be in some way. So what have you found like on a daily basis that helps you? I know you said you have a mindful practice. I do. Because it's such um, a broad word. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I meditate or as, as I call it, I meditate badly, which takes the pressure off of me to meditate well. Right. So if I want to do just a few minutes, I can, uh, you know, so I can just sort of see what happens. But meditating is really huge. And then certain um, philosophies such as uh, Eckhart Tolle. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with his work, Power of Now, and yeah. then then some kind of Buddhist things. Although I find that most people are really put off if I say this is a Buddhist concept. Um, <laughs> so what I do is I express the concepts without telling them. <laughs> okay. well, what, or, uh, what's, I probably would be a little put off by that. Or I'd be like, yeah, here you yeah. go, like the gong's gonna, you know, get hit. Like, yeah, most people do, but they're they're universal truths. So I will, or I will phrase it in terms of like something Eckhart Tolle said. So yeah. So, but I am trying to bring some stuff into more mainstream. I have a friend where uh, we've been working on a sitcom. Although we have a lot to learn about writing, like we got to a point with a Bible and a script, and we got beat up pretty bad. So we, but we learned, <laughs> we learned what we have to do to get to next level. But you know. But that are, the idea there is to bring stuff in as mainstream, right? And that's really the trick because these advocacy events, and you've seen them, they like come up and people tell their stories and it's like so sad. Nobody wants, <laughs> I, know. I want to support you and I don't want to be that sad if that makes sense. Right. But I think also like you said this in the TED talk where it's not, you know, depression isn't contagious. It's not like you're going to suddenly become depressed. You can't catch right. it like COVID. Yeah, that's a really great point. No, you, it's not contagious and you don't have to match somebody's level. Like you're depressed. I'm still going to talk like I talk and that's right. okay. I don't have to be depressed. Um, at the same time, like I would like to see more things. And that's what, that's what I really appreciate about your podcast. More things where people are kind of upbeat and normal and they don't have to like yeah. dwell because a lot of, we're, we all get attached to our pain for different reasons, but like if you just dwell on it, which is what happens in a lot of advocacy events, people right. just like, and this, and it was so, you know, and, and that's okay. It has its place. And a lot of people really appreciate that, but it, it has its limits too, in that a lot of people just don't want to go to advocacy events because they don't want to feel that sad, but you're right. They don't have to come to that level of sadness to appreciate the stories. And I can't gauge it anymore because I've been so immersed in that world. 
it's all what do you mean gauge like i can't gauge what would be too sad for people i mean oh i always now want it to be more upbeat and then sometimes people are like no this is good right where because i coach a lot of speakers and storytellers right and and, <clears throat> and we'll you know i'll be talking to the organization i'm like this does not this feels a little bit downbeat should we cheer you know should we make this more fun because i'll see people who are laughing and joking in rehearsal but then when they get to time to go you know do the thing um they get really they get really somber and really sad and just hit that sad note and stay there i think that's entirely true i don't know why but i i've noticed that when people are talking at funerals or even when i've had to talk at let's say a funeral and i thought like oh, i'll make this joke and then you get up there and you're like someone died i have to be serious <laughs> it's like really serious thing like it's like let's play like some christian music like it becomes a really like dire circumstance yeah. i don't know what that is. i don't know if it's just you're self-conscious or you don't want someone to think you're a bad person i don't know well, it's tricky uh, you know and i i do i haven't done it uh obviously in the past year or two but i have done a comedy show i guess the last time was september of this was last year and a half ago but um Stand up, stand up comedy, or kind of like a one man show, so more storytelling and one man yeah. showy than stand up. But it, you know, it has some stand up jokes. Um, but the the point of that is that a few years when I first started doing it, I didn't know where that line was where you would lose an audience, and so it became like as I did it more a test of what's too dark for them. So because like I started out and I was doing bits about being in the middle of a suicide attempt and i'm doing these jokes and because it because i've been through it i'm not you know i'm not traumatized by it anymore and yeah. it's okay for me to laugh but what i would find is that i would have a couple people in the audience who've clearly been there who would just be laughing their butts off and then the rest of the people would be horrified <laughs> <laughs> like this isn't funny but yeah I yeah so yeah. I, I so I learned that there you know and and I'm not like a master of it but I'm better than I used to be about realizing this is too dark or when right. I give talks now to businesses I'm like I'm not gonna necessarily bring up this bring up that I want to keep this light and easy for them to receive because there is like there's what works for you and then there's an awareness of you know how is this person going to receive what I'm doing? And you have to factor that in. If you want them to receive it well, that's, you know, then you need to like be, okay, what can they come to without any effort? What's going to be comfortable for them? Yeah. And I think that's why it's weird because I even had that as one of the questions of why, why is it easier for people to sort of swallow something that's funny? And I feel like, cause you can kind of like slip in the information that it's, you know, you're making a joke and then as you're leaving, you're like, oh, that was so funny. But then you realize you learned something or if you're looking yeah, at it yeah. and it's just an easier way of people digesting information. I mean, it can be. It can be an easier way to digest. And it's also very bonding. I think when people yeah. laugh over something, they'd like know that they have something in common. Yeah, it's really cathartic. It's true. If you yeah, yeah. laugh about something, it's you've sort of gone through I guess an experience to I think that's why people loved going or now that I guess now they're back stand up, you know, seeing stand up. Right. Yeah. Um, that makes total sense to me. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> the, uh, 
that idea, and especially when you're talking about anxiety and depression, things like that, because people always have, everybody has a little bits of those. I mean, some people almost have none, which is weird, but they do exist. I really envy those people. I do know them. There are, there literally are some people that, and it's not a bad thing. And I think that's good to say too. It's not, it's, it's not, not bad. bad. Like, yeah, don't lie and be like, I'm, I think it's worse when someone's like, oh, I'm so sad too. And I'm like, no, you're not. <laughs> yeah one person said so what is depression like like one time I was at the airport and they lost my luggage and I felt bad is that what depression's like and I'm like wow are you serious you live a charmed life my friend <laughs> that reminds me of I went to this physical therapist who told me when she first gave birth to her daughter like she didn't smile for a week and she asked me if that's what being like manically depressed is like and I was like no, it's, it's a little <laughs> more intense. It's actually, yeah, considerably different. Um, but so every people have that in them. A lot of people do. And when they laugh together about it, they're kind of acknowledging that they're not alone in that. So there's yeah. extra power in, in comedy about those things. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's what's pretty great because I think, I don't know what interview I saw, but you had said that the beauty of my story isn't that it, that it's extraordinary, it's that it's ordinary. Yeah. That's really important because I think people get self-conscious about their mental illness or health or problems because they think it's just them, where mm -hmm. it's a lot of people. Like it's a lot, people are, other people are going through it. A lot of people are. And I went through that same journey myself. I was like, you know, thinking that I was so different and this and that and that. And then as I, you know, started, learning more about this i'm like whoa this is happening to a lot of people this is extremely common it's right. it's not yeah have and have you noticed obviously in the last year just it going up with with your the groups of people that you work with directly I, I have yeah i've noticed it i mean and those are the people who are well equipped i mean i have a friend who's bipolar and she was like all of my normal friends are coming to me now i know because... isn't it funny me too i'm like oh now you're depressed oh i'm sorry like whatever i've been like this like yeah you feel all like whatever it's like all of a sudden you're all going to the gym, but you've been the one person that's been working out your whole life. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's true. It's kind of true. Yeah. Um, so they're better equipped to deal with it because they know what it's like to have like, for no reason at all, the bottom falls out and you feel like you're doomed and everything is hopeless and you can't see past that. Whereas I, I'm assuming you have had that experience. Yeah, and, and everyone was talking about COVID <laughs> like that. I'm like, and like, this is my like daily existence. I don't, I don't like, what's the big deal? <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah, and your point is what exactly? Yeah, I'm like, okay. So we Welcome can to my world. Right. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, it's true. It's, it's a weird, uh, yeah, like we felt, I mean, I felt like such an expert. Right, because suddenly you are, you, you, you have, and that's something that people with mental health conditions don't really get enough credit for is uh, they do have an expertise. Somebody who's living well, they have gone through a lot to figure out what works for them, right? And different things work for everybody. I mean, yes. um, but that's, that's been a real journey. And you start to learn that your mind isn't the reality, what it tells you, you know, you learn so many different ways of figuring out, okay, this isn't like you were, I was just listening to uh, one of your podcasts before this, and, and you, you were talking about 
how it's not going to last forever when you get depressed. Yeah. Because the first thing depression tells you is it's going to last forever. You're doomed for eternity. Like what? That's bad news. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's so hard to think of that when you're really, or when I'm like really low, but it, you have to try to remember it because there's. Yeah. Sometimes I will give myself, you know, whatever, a little bit of time to be like, okay, I just need to allow this to happen. Sometimes I'll just allow that feeling to be there. But then at some point, I'll be like, I, I will start to remember, oh, yeah, it's going to be okay. Everything's fine. My brain and body are just doing that thing. I mean, I've been saying your brain and mind, but the truth is, it's really in your body, too, as, as you know, like when you have depression, it's, it's a physical thing. It is. It definitely is. And I think, I think what you said is important where this book that I'm reading right now, Unwinding Anxiety, talks about that, where they talk about letting anxiety come. Because sometimes when you're trying to fight it or, oh, I'm not sad, I'm not this, it takes more energy. Mm -hmm. Like not that it overtakes you, but just saying like, it's okay. Like I'm sad. I'm not feeling well. Let me do something that I know helps me like be with my dog or go outside or exercise, you know, whatever it is, like, like you said, it's different for everyone, what helps them. But to allow that experience to happen and not feel like you have to stop it from happening is right. really valuable information to get because your instinct and the message you get from a lot of people is that you have to fight it and not let it be there. It's, it's true. It's like, that was something else you said. We were like, you know, you repeated it. I think you repeated it. Really? What was it? <laughs> what did I say? Wait, I'm going to find it. People can be sad and okay at the same time. Mm. Yeah, I did repeat that one. Yeah. But it's, but it's, no one says that. There aren't cards that are like, uh, it's okay to be sad. It's all cheer up. Hope you get better. You know, like. Right. Like sad. it's not helping that you're putting this pressure on me. Yeah. 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 So I think, I think that's important because people think they have to, and especially now with social media, I mean, I think of everyone that's growing up in this time and I don't know how I would be, I feel like such a wreck where you feel you have to be this certain way, you know, of mm -hmm. happiness or of, of, you know, doing it great or yeah, whatever yeah. it may be. Um, social media doesn't help. Like that idea that this is how you're supposed to be all the time yeah. is, uh, is really, it's, it's not helpful, I think, because, um, yeah, it just puts, it just makes me feel a sense of lack. So what will yeah. happen is as you look at it, right? Like, oh my gosh, they just did this thing. Oh, now they're here and look, they're smiling and the thing looks awesome or whatever. Yeah. And, um, and then I'm like, wow, I guess, you know, my, a minute ago, my life was great. Now I have this <laughs> painful sense of lack. <laughs> no, it's true. And then what you realize is like, everyone's feeling that. Like even people that are taking these, like you don't know what else is really going on. And I think that's what's good. To, uh, and that people aren't taking photos on social media of like their worst day. It's not that no. poisoning like over the toilet. Like no one's like, you know, like doing a <laughs> up, like, This is me in fetal position. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> in fetal position having like a mental breakdown. But it's no, that's right. Hard. And I, I have talked to people and I'm like, hey, you know, I've seen you on whatever social media. Mm -hmm. It looks like you've been doing great. And they're like, no, 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 that's just my social media. I've yeah. really been struggling. Yeah. So I think it's good to I'm even trying to be more conscientious of that to say that, because I think the more that people see it and then 
it doesn't mean that every picture needs to be you crying. Just, you know, just acknowledging like this is not a great day or, or yeah, whatever. Right. And making it normal or more normal is helpful. Yeah, I applaud you for doing that because it is really helpful. And then other people see you doing that and they're like, yeah. hey, this is okay. It doesn't all have to be like, you know, here I am windsurfing or whatever it is. <laughs> oh all right, I have the five questions we ask everyone. Okay. These are like, you don't, you don't win anything. So don't, don't. Win. Um, okay. This is how I have do. Google here, so. Oh, oh, great. It won't help you for this. It won't help yeah, you. Yeah, okay. Um, what do you do for a mental break? Like if you want to just kind of get out of your head. Uh, I, if I really want a mental break, I'll do one of two things. Um, one is go for a walk. The other is just lie down on a couch, close my eyes and watch my breath and um, take like the energy that's going on in my head where it feels frazzled, like just allow that to exist, but not have to add anything to it or take anything kind of like that acceptance thing. Right. So that's really, that's pretty powerful. Also, we have a, a, night, a lake around here with a three mile trail around it. That's really great. So, so doing that's really good as well. Yeah, like being out in nature, I feel like kind of gets you out. Mm -hmm. um, when is the last time you cried? Mm, let's see. <clears throat> Google it? No, I can't Google that one, I'm afraid. <laughs> I haven't been blogging well enough. Um, <laughs> I would say uh, maybe about a couple of months ago, yeah, there was some relationship stuff, if you can believe that. Um, <laughs> That's the worst for crying. And before that, uh, my mom passed in January. So, oh, I'm so uh, sorry. you know, that was, well, thank you. You know, it was okay. She was, she had a good full life and uh, we were able to be there with her. And uh, yeah, so it's sad, but it's okay. Of course, you know, nobody likes losing their mom, but at the same time, she was in pain and, and she was 90 and she like did all the things. So, right. Right. Yeah. Well, that's good that you were able to be with her. Uh, what are you currently reading? <sighs> okay. Um, my books. <laughs> it doesn't have to be some great novel. It could be like. No, I, I read pretty. I'm reading um, The Heart of the Buddhist Teachings by Thich Nhat Hanh. And oh my gosh. <laughs> that sounds I, told you, I read weird stuff. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I've started on A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle, which I've read before, but I was kind of revisiting. Okay. Um, and it's mostly things along those kinds of lines. Um, I will occasionally get other books and I just have a hard time finding them interesting. Like these things are just so power packed. I mean, they, 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 re they relax me is what they do. They like take the pressure off of all they they like help reduce my stress is what they do for me those bo those books those kinds those books of books like that. that genre yeah, no, of me book, too. Yeah. i like that's why this this book unwinding anxiety by dr brewer we and we had him on like two weeks ago mm -hmm. i like books that are kind of giving you tips on stuff like that i mean i like kind of all books but i do find books because i like the knowing they do relax me about something like this yeah, they provide a different perspective and you're like, oh, I didn't need to be that freaked out about yeah. this thing. Yeah, totally, totally. Yeah, it's, it's really like cool. I don't think people think of books like that. Like they're like, oh, another self-help book or something. 
But yeah, no, if you find the ones you like, and it's different for everybody, I'm sure, but right. you know, they can really, they can ease a lot of anxiety, depression as well, right? Yeah, I mean, there was someone too that I remember I talked, she suffers from really bad anxiety and she would just pick up a, like a fiction book, you know, like sometimes just reading to be taken mm, away. Yeah, it yeah, really totally. Help her reading, right. always. What is the best and worst advice you've been given? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, let's see. What is the um, probably okay? We'll start with the worst advice. I've gotten some pretty bad advice. Um, I have two. <laughs> this is probably the worst, and I shouldn't say it because this therapist was actually oh, no. really cool. <laughs> is this but the, the one, one that, like kicked you out for being on drugs. No, this is one who was super cool, okay. actually. I, I went in there and I told him I was suicidally ideating and he was like, yeah, go ahead. That's not going to hurt you. <laughs> it was like, he was very unconventional, but okay. sometimes too, he told me to go to uh, sex and love anonymous meetings to meet women. And I'm like, I'm not doing that. <laughs> That's not something a therapist should tell somebody. Yeah, that sounds like the therapist I saw that was like, I've had two people commit suicide. I was like, great. I really want to be coming back here. <laughs> <laughs> you need to work on your marketing points. Yeah, I don't, I mean, very popular. Like, uh, and he had some good advice, but that, it was just bizarre. Like, that's just a bizarre thing to say to someone. Yeah, yeah, that is a bizarre thing to say. Someone said you to go to the sex and love anonymous meeting. Yeah, I, <laughs> I had extreme shyness. I wasn't going to meet girls anyways. That wasn't my problem. <laughs> I did work on that later, but that's a different conversation. Um, the best advice, I think, is uh, to not be attached to the results of your actions, which is, you know, you could probably contemplate that for like a lifetime. <laughs> but it's got very immediate practical value, right? Like we go through, okay, am I doing the right thing? Am I doing the things I should be able to do? And if you are, if you aren't, then do those instead or work on it. And if you are, then like, I can't control this disaster thing that I'm thinking about, but I can, you know, I'm doing the right things. I don't, I can't always have the thing I want to happen, happen. Like I don't need to be attached to what happens, at least not in the degree that I normally am. I mean, I want to control all results of everything. That's my, that's my basic desire. And that creates a lot of stress for me. So, so sure. letting go of that attachment is very helpful when I can do it, you know, it's like, it's like recognizing you're depressed. It's like, sometimes I'm just stressing out over stuff. Uh, and I'm like, am I doing the right thing? Oh my gosh, I did this, but now what's going to happen. And I'll forget to do that. That seems that is great advice, but yeah, it's like hard, easier said than done, but it's good to think about that when we get caught up in results. Yeah, exactly. It's really hard. But it's helpful for me. I mean, those little moments of, of relaxation help, like knowing right. that they exist. Yeah. Okay. Final question. What Instagram or it could be Twitter, Facebook, whatever. I don't know what social platforms you're on most account do you find uplifting? Because I think so much stuff that we all look at on social can be real like daddy downer. So <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. It's, um, yeah, it's a platform where it's, yeah, well, we don't have to talk, have that conversation now because we both get it. And yeah. so does everybody listening. They're I like, know, yes, right? we know. <laughs> I know, and I don't think it's going away. So I don't, I don't know. 
Yeah, that would be an interesting conversation. But um, I would say the Eckhart Tolle feed is really the thing okay. that like, I will look at a quote and like it, it relaxes me immediately and I will carry that forward into into my day or at least the next minute and a half <laughs> then i might forget about it but yeah that's that's probably my favorite that's good i by the way i never knew that that is how you pronounce his last name yeah i think some people pronounce it toll but um i'm sure you're I, i'm pretty sure it's tolle yeah yeah everyone i've ever known would say toll well, so I've, fans of his. I've, I've listened to his audiobooks, and like in one they say toll, and in another one they say tolle. So, <laughs> Are you serious? So weird. <laughs> like people pick a name, pick a, pick yeah, a pronunciation. Uh, yeah. Okay. But no, when they introduce him in videos and things, I hear them say tolle. Thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode. Shouts out to Bill Burnett for joining me. We are so thrilled to have you. Where can our listeners find you? what sort of handles or your address no no mm -hmm. <laughs> you can <laughs> uh you can go to my website stayawesome.com and that's largely my offerings for businesses but also for people who just want to give a talk or tell a story around mental health yes and, um, and it's a great website it's very well set up i was on it today oh thanks thanks uh and instagram i finally have started putting stuff on instagram i just basically give bad advice because i think my strength is that i've made a lot of poor choices so i'm <laughs> i'm really well qualified to give terrible advice uh so that's just bill bernard all right well that is all folks be sure to subscribe to ben better hbu we can be found on apple and spotify and tune in next time thank you for tuning in to ben better how about you to learn more please visit benbetterhbu.com and check out our instagram bbhbu slide into our dms with your questions and or comments also be sure to subscribe for your weekly prescription this pharmacy is open 24 7.